0: Welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you.
1: So I've done the Old Testament bits. I mean, there's more in the Old Testament, but we just had a bit of a run through of the Old Testament. But I really want us to look at this passage of Scripture today, um, in view of what we looked at in the Old Testament and in view of how we do with it today so do you remember we talked about the Passover and the Passover was this perfect sacrificial lamb and not only did they put the blood on the doors but they also ate of the flesh of the lamb and um, you know when Jesus in the last supper um, they were all in the upper room and he broke the bread and he said to them you know this is my body broken for you and he um, uh, took the cup and said you know this is my blood called out for you Uh, do this in remembrance of me so it was one of the one of the few things that jesus said you know do this and keep on doing it and the purpose was to remember him and i think that means you know to remember the cross to remember what it is that we stand for so in various different ways we have instituted this thing that we call communion or whatever you want, you know, whatever you call it. But we, we do this thing called communion, which is when we break bread together and share the cup of wine. And um, it's it's just interesting that it's both. It's both the body and the blood of Jesus. It's like the Passover. It's the body and the blood of the Lamb. So that type from the Passover kind of carried on through. And um, you, you may or may not have read this passage in 1 Corinthians Eleven. But Paul is obviously addressing some issues in the church, and there's obviously an issue in the Corinthian church. And um, there's so much said about communion. I mean, so many different churches do it in so many different ways. And um, I'm not sure what your, you know, experience of communion. I mean, for us, we're very laid back about it. Personally, I don't like it so laid back. But you know, that's just that 's just my opinion i don 't think it 's right or wrong it 's just a kind of preference. I suspect probably we 're supposed to break bread or we eat together i don 't even think we 're supposed to do it as a kind of right now we 're having a holy moment in our church service i think it 's probably just supposed to be part of what we do every day anyway that 's beside the point what what we 're talking about is healing so um, Paul is addressing certain issues in the church so um, one of these things he starts talking about, I mean, this, the whole early bit of 1 Corinthians 11 is all this stuff about head covering and women coming from men and authority and all of that, which we talked about. Um, do you remember the video we watched very early on? It addressed those, those issues, some of them. So, um, verse 17, he starts talking about the conduct of the Lord's Supper and it says that there's an issue in this church so he this particular thing is he is he is dealing with an issue in the church and there are divisions among them and um, the Lord's Supper was becoming disordered and so um, he says in verse 20 therefore when you come together in one place it is not to eat the Lord's Supper for in eating each one takes his own supper ahead of others and one is hungry and another is drunk what do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. So I suspect this is one of those other times in the letters where Paul is quoting something that they're asking him, and then he's answering it. And then he says, in um, verse 23, for I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what it's saying is every time you take this, you take the bread and you take the wine and you eat it in remembrance of him, you're proclaiming his death, which is the cross. You're proclaiming this is what we are. This is the pivotal point in history. This is what we're living by. This is what we're believing. This is what we're living out of the reality of living out of what was done at the cross until he comes again so there will be a time when he comes again whatever we want to think about that Um, but we were to do that and proclaim it proclaim his death so it's proclaiming this sacrifice it's proclaiming this event that happened in history which had an effect for us And for many Christians, they won't have any problem telling us that the effect of the cross is that his blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of sin. And we've preached that gospel for years. You can have your sins forgiven because Jesus went to the cross and his blood was shed to pay for your sin so you can have forgiveness of sin. And um, I think a lot of our problem with healing is we've, we've missed out half the gospel. So... The Gospel isn't only Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for us, that we can have forgiveness of sin as much as he did, but also that his body was broken for us. And the consequence of his broken body is healing, is bodily healing for us, as well as the spiritual healing and the emotional healing. But it, it, when when Jesus healed the sick in Matthew um, 8, he says, it says, you know, he did this that it might be fulfilled what was said by Isaiah the prophet, that by his stripes you are healed. So it's bodily. Okay, Jesus didn't go about spiritually healing people or emotionally healing them. The sick were made well. The blind could see. They, they weren't spiritually able to see. They could physically see. So there's a part of, of the cross that we proclaim that is about bodily healing. Okay, and then there's this little end of the the chapter which I think people get really mixed up with and we get into all this error and we miss the point of what it is that, that Paul is saying. So it says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And then it says, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And we've got into all of this religious systems, which says, before you come to communion, you have to examine yourself. And if you're not perfect, if you've not confessed all your sins or done whatever it is you're supposed to do in order to be worthy of taking the communion then you can't take communion and I know loads of people who you know are having a bad day and don't take communion because they're not worthy I don't know if you've heard that taught, whether it's been taught in your church whether you know people who do communion who you know minister communion will often say you know search your heart make sure there's nothing in your heart make sure you know and we have we've we've all spent time trying to confess our sins and trying to get right with God and trying to get right with other people there's nothing wrong with getting right with other people before you take communion okay that is a good thing to do it's good thing to do even without having to take communion it's got nothing to do with taking communion Um. So there's this whole thing that, you know, we're supposed to examine ourselves before we take communion. And people get tied up in all these knots. And I don't think this is what that scripture is saying because it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So then it says in verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner. Okay, so in an unworthy manner. It doesn't say he who eats and drinks who is Unworthy. It says, he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, so the way that you do it, eats and drinks judgment to himself. Now that is serious, because we don't really want to bring judgment on ourselves.
0: This is all first Corinthians 11. Corinthians
1: 11. Have you never read it in German
0: before? <laughs> um, I'm sure I read it before, yeah. but not in that detail.
1: Yeah, yeah. It depends what church background you come to. Some churches really make this big deal about communion before you take it. Others,
0: the Catholic Church yeah. do.
1: Do they? <coughs> yeah, yeah,
0: like my nan, Whenever I used to go to church with her, I, even though I was a Christian, yeah, I wasn't allowed to take. Yeah. she wouldn't let me. And take
1: you're it. not allowed to take communion in lots of churches if you haven't been confirmed or yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's quite exclusive, and that's because of this passage. Because there's this fear that you're being, you're going to it's done out of love for people so that they don't bring judgment on themselves yeah. but that's really not what it's saying and then it, says to, then it says so it says for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body and I think this is what we've misunderstood because what Paul is saying is that is the unworthy part of taking communion If you're not discerning, to discern means to understand something. To, to, yeah, to understand. Um, So, so he kind of answers his own question. So, the unworthy manner in which you can take communion is first of all he's addressing issues of being drunk and eating all the food and whatever. So, you don't, you know, you, you consider one another. But that was because they're obviously talking about a meal rather than, you know, a minute bit of you know, bread and a tiny cup of wine. Is this
0: literally every time you eat and drink? Well, I
1: don't know. People say maybe it was, yeah. Maybe they That's got together like to, to, to eat once a week, but it was a meal, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, it was certainly a meal when Jesus did it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. yeah. So, um, so, Paul then tells us, I think, what the unworthy manner is. And that unworthy manner is not understanding the Lord's body. And I think that's really fascinating because actually as a church at whole, as a whole, I think the church has not discerned the Lord's body. We've discerned the Lord's blood because we know his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins and you believe in Jesus, your sins will be forgiven. Gospel, full stop. But we don't teach as the gospel the good news of because Jesus' body was broken, your body is healed. So we don't discern, we don't understand that part of the communion the lord's supper the issues of the cross so many christians will believe that god jesus shed his blood for our for the forgiveness of our sins and we're forgiven and we're right with god and that's fantastic and you need super duper faith to get healed or god might heal you if he wants to or we've got the whole list right um but actually that's not the gospel the gospel is jesus went to the cross he shed his blood for the payment and forgiveness of our sins and his body was broken for our healing full stop which is all the verses of the old testament you know forget not all his benefits he heals all your di- he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases psalm 103 and um, so it's it's always been together it's always been part of the same deal it's never been separate um, and then interestingly then paul says in verse 30 which we struggle with, and it says, for this reason, many of you are weak and sick among you, and many sleep, sleep meaning die. Fascinating, because a lot of us want to know why are we sick, and you know, Paul tells us this is the reason. You don't discern the Lord's body. You don't know what he's done for you. You haven't come to this understanding of the whole deal when it comes to communion and what Jesus has done. And to be honest, we haven't. As a church, we haven't. We've preached a gospel of your sin is forgiven, full stop. Okay, you might add on a bit of, you know, God's good and God's, you know, God will look after you and he'll answer your prayers and he'll help you. But very rarely have we put together this package of the sacrificial lamb being for the forgiveness of sin and the healing of our body. Full stop. Deal done. End of the story. And Paul says, for this reason, because we haven't understood it, many of us are sick. Because if you don't understand, if you don't come into the reality of what happened at the cross, then you're not going to live in the benefit of it. It's not automatic. The same as Jesus has forgiven the sin of the whole world, but not everybody is living in the benefit of the forgiveness of their sin. Because many people are still feeling guilty and separated from God, because they haven't yet believed. So... Um, it's just really interesting, and it completely shifts what we have been taught. And we should realize it's not true. We should realize that we don't have to examine ourselves, because what was examined? When the sacrifice came, what did the who did the priest examine? Before a sacrifice? What it, what it
0: examine, examines.
1: to look at, to look carefully at something. Yeah. so in the Old Testament when there was the sacrifice and you know Joseph would bring his goat to the temple what happened what was important what, 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 was, what was necessary about the goat what did the sacrifice have to be spotless, without blemish. So that you couldn't bring a crooked old, you know, half dead goat to sacrifice to God. It had to be pure, spotless, without blemish. And the priest's job was to inspect the animal to make sure that it was perfect, which is why Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, because he was out without flaw and without blemish. So the point of a sacrificial system is it's the one that is sacrificed that is pure and without blemish. Me bringing the lamb, I don't look at myself to make sure I'm pure. You look at the sacrifice to make sure the sacrifice is pure. Which is why coming to communion and trying to make, work out whether you yourself are pure just doesn't make any sense. You come to communion, look at the pure lamb because it's the purity of the lamb that makes the sacrifice important. So I think all this teaching about self-searching, getting yourself right before you can take communion, honestly, if you can get yourself right before you take communion, don't point taking it, right? You don't need it. So people are in such bondage and maybe you've never been in bondage, maybe you, know, you haven't experienced that kind of thing, but I have been in churches where people will not take communion. Because they feel unworthy of taking communion and I mean that is just so sad because all you're doing when you're taking communion is saying it's not about me it's about this perfect sacrificial lamb and this is a representation of his body and his blood and this is this is how I'm living not by me but by this and I'm gonna keep proclaiming that so um, Joseph Prince teaches really well on communion if you want to listen again but it'll be on the internet um, he, he, he teaches really well on this because so many of us have got it, got it wrong um, I think so this passage is not about making ourselves perfect to take communion it's about us saying we have a perfect sacrifice and my, my responsibility is to fully recognise what that sacrifice has done for me so if I do it unworthily, then I'm just not realizing what I'm doing. I'm not doing it with an understanding of the fullness of what it is that, that has been done for me. So we'll just finish the passage. It says, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned in the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. So Paul's just dealing with issues in the church and saying, you know, you you, you need to consider one another. They obviously met together to eat, but it clearly wasn't a meal that one person could eat the whole lot and leave the others out. So there were some issues around communion. But what what he's saying is, examine yourself. Examine yourself to work out whether you understand exactly what is going on, whether you are fully understanding, whether you are discerning. And I think that's that's one of our biggest problems in the church because we don't we don't preach the gospel of forgiveness of sin and healing of the body. We preach the gospel of forgiveness of sin. And God might heal your body if you're lucky or whatever got a lot of faith or whatever it is that you have to do in order to get God to heal you but I think we just have to look at this passage because this is Paul is saying this is the reason many are weak and sick and it should help us think oh what is that reason and it's not discerning the Lord's body He's not realizing what he's done for us, and I don't think that's supposed to be a condemnatory thing. I don't think it's you know we're supposed to get tied up, but it's it's a clue for being whole, isn't it? Realize what he's done for us, and I think what what I've been trying to do over these sessions is get rid of all the confusion about healing, and I'm not saying I can give you all the answers about why why not. You know, we did this, we did that. But what I can say for me is, I don't shift my stance. I don't shift my place of faith. And my place of faith for myself is sickness has been dealt with at the cross and it's finished. God's answer to our healing is yes. And that's basically the end of the story. Um, I'm not saying that that doesn't. Uh, there aren't a load of questions to be answered. But what you have to choose is where are you going to stand? So, are you going to stand on that as truth and answer the questions from that place of truth? Or are you going to stand in another place, which is, oh, I don't really know. I look at the evidence. God clearly doesn't heal. We don't see it. So, maybe God didn't want to. Maybe God this or maybe God that. And you can do that. And I think most most Christians do do that I did that for years I stood in this place of well let's look at the evidence guys he doesn't really heal does he so there's something wrong with God probably something wrong with us and um, and in that place I believe we are we will see less healing because it's it's not a place they whereby you can you know there's a lot about faith about being patient uh, not not being, uh, you know, not doubting, not being swayed backwards and forwards. And I think, um, that, you know, that James one passage about, you know, he who doubts re- cannot receive anything from God. If you're standing in this other place of not really sure the evidence says that God doesn't heal, you know, we prayed and we had faith for Mrs. Jones down the road and she still died of cancer and therefore, and you start making conclusions about God, and start making up a theology from your experience I think that is a place where you're less likely to see healing than if you shift your stance to this place which by which you have persuaded yourself and part of faith is persuading yourself and it took me a long time to persuade myself but now I'm persuaded like uh, you know Paul says I'm persuaded that neither life nor death Misquoting ephesians three about love he's persuaded himself to understand the word you know convinced yourself you have uh you, you you can't really be moved from that that position um so i don't like misquoting scripture so i have to, have to tell you it now oh, doubly misquoted it I'll have to misquote it. Anyway. It has the uh, word persuaded. It has the word persuaded it. What
0: is, what is the worst about? Say again? What is
1: the worst about? It says that I am persuaded that neither life nor death, neither principalities nor no powers, no one can one separate one. me from so the, the love of to God. It. Thank you. But you know what I mean? What What, what Paul is saying is, doesn't really matter what happens Doesn't really. my faith is not based on what happens, my faith is based on who I have, you know, who I know God to be and um, what I have um, what I have persuaded myself about God now if you read the scriptures and you cannot persuade yourself that God is, has settled the issue of healing yes, 38, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord paul's come to that conclusion i'm persuaded does it look like death can separate you yes does it look like principalities could separate you yes sometimes it does Um, but paul is standing in this place of being persuaded and I think, in order for us to see the healing we want to see, we have to be persuaded. Because honestly, as soon as you start praying for somebody, you start praying for somebody with cancer, what happens?
0: Sometimes he or she's healed, and sometimes...
1: No, I mean, if you start, if you are at the front, and somebody with cancer comes to you, what happens? I believe
0: that it's possible.
1: And then what happens? Yeah, my brain says it's not possible. Well, I've never seen it happen. We prayed for Mrs. So-and-so. She didn't get healed. And that's the battle of healing, really. And fortunately, in a way, I think it's better when you're praying for the sick to not even think about it. Because you can't get anywhere with those thoughts. No. There's no resolution to those thoughts. And those thoughts don't prevent healing unless you start agreeing with them. So the thoughts themselves are not wrong. I just, at these days when I pray for healing, I just think about I think about the cross, I think about what Jesus has done, I think about God's desire for us to be completely whole, and I just kind of fix my eyes on that, and I really try and shut out the rubbish. And some days it's easier. I love praying for the sick, where it's just like, I know he's he's the healer, and I don't care about anything else, and you know you can just do it but most of us have a battle at some point or other and that's when we need to be persuaded because otherwise we become persuaded or we just swing backwards and forwards now you can decide that you don't agree with anything I've said and the Bible doesn't say that we're healed um, because of the cross that's fine You're, you're completely able to do that but then persuade yourself about what you do believe um, because unless you 're persuaded, then you 're just gonna sway backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards, and something will happen and you 'll believe and something will happen and you won't believe, and something else will happen and and honestly it's 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 just really difficult when it 's like that um so i think I think the real battle is won. For yourself and for your own stance when you can persuade yourself, which is why I think the, the Bible's really good. And I'm not, I, I know we're not great on saying, you know, this is absolute doctrine, okay? Um, but I think just read it and work out what it says. And I think when it comes to the cross, you know, people will argue. There's good arguments against what I'm saying. People will argue they're all finished with the apostles, there's no more healing. People will argue that. Jesus was only talking about spiritual healing, but I don't get why Jesus healed physically if he only wanted spiritual healing. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, So there are lots of arguments to say God God doesn't heal, and if that's if that's what you believe, then stick to it and go for it, and um, all the best. (laughs) Um, But personally, I think he's done it, and to know that his answer is yes, and not only it's yes at some point in the future but it's yes at some point in the past then it just makes life much easier in the mind mm-hmm. and from point of view of faith now does that mean everybody you pray for gets healed well not yet no but that, that it gives you a better starting point for he, praying for people because if you've got another theology of healing then what are you going to do I mean if your theology of healing says God, God, um, God gave him his sickness to teach him a lesson. Well, better not go to the doctor because that is not the best thing to do if God's given you something, right? Why would you be going against God to try and get rid of the problem if you think God's given it you? That's what I don't understand. You think God's given you sickness, then why do we spend so long trying to get away from what God's doing in our bodies? It just doesn't make there, sense. There is
0: a part in with the of blind man. Jesus says, he, he was blind so that I could, could show God's power.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're kind of, it, the issue of that is a different, slightly different issue, but it is connected, because what they were doing is, because of all the curses of the Old Testament, blindness was a curse of the Old Testament, so because they were under the law, this guy's, this kid's born blind, they think, well, who's done something wrong? so that's why they're coming to jesus and say which who did it wrong was it he or the parents and and really the point of that story is jesus is cutting off that whole issue of the curse of the law and saying neither yeah. so he's actually coming against that so-called truth of the law and say it's not about that and um, this is about me being glorified i don't think he's saying we decided to make him blind for the sole purpose of glorifying God because okay. I don't think God makes people blind no, no, no. Um, but I th- so I think there's a slightly more complex issue that he's talking about in that, in that case it doesn't make sense for Jesus to take all the sickness and sin of the whole world onto his body it would then be injustice for God to put sickness on your body because he's already put it on Jesus' body. The same as if he was making you pay the price for sin, when the price has already been paid. So that it's already been paid for sickness as well. So I don't think God gives us sickness. Uh, It gets a bit confused with the issue of can God bring good out of sickness? Yes, he can. Do we learn things out of sickness? Yes, we can. Um, can people get saved because I was sick and in the hospital and preach the gospel to them yes they can but that doesn't mean to say that God gave us sickness Uh, any more than God will make you sin to teach you a lesson do you think God would make you sin to teach you a lesson
0: no
1: no well why would he make you sick to teach you a lesson it's the same part it's the same thing that God has dealt with he's it's the
0: lies right yeah
1: he's dealt with that whole issue of (coughs) sin and death yeah and sickness is just part of sin and death mm. so he's not going to give you any more is he going to put you no more is he going to put you sickness on your body to teach you a lesson than he's going to put sin on your body we'd think God was really cruel if we thought he was making us sin to teach us a lesson um, so I don't know if we've got this on here or if we've lost it the other thing I just want to talk to you about because I'm not sure if we did um it's the whole issue of Paul's thorn in the flesh. Do you know the story? Did we talk about thorn in the flesh?
0: I think we started to talk about it, but just a few minutes. Right.
1: Uh, kept it. Okay, we'll just quickly run through thorn in the flesh because uh, this is one that people love to use. Um, So if you remember, there's this little passage. um, Okay, 2 Corinthians 12. So Paul is talking about the fact that he's giving you, giving the reader his qualifications because there were other men coming in teaching and trying to take his authority away from him and teaching another gospel and he's saying look these are my qualifications for telling you what I've told you and um, a lot of his qualifications are all the things that went wrong but anyway um, he says I know a man 2 Corinthians 12 who 14 years ago whether in the body I don't know or whether out of the body I don't know this man was taken up into heaven he's talking about himself okay and he was brought up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. Okay. So he's saying, I, I, I received this revelation from God, that that I'm teaching you, I went up into heaven and received this revelation. And then he says in verse 7, Lest I should be exalted, which is lifted high, above measure... By the abundance of revelations. So what he's saying is, so that I don't become so, you know, um, glorified because I went to heaven and saw heaven, um, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. And then it tells us what the thorn in the flesh was. And it says, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to push me around Lest I be exalted above measure. Okay, so there's a number of qualifying issues here. Number one, Paul is saying the reason he's got a thorn in the flesh is because he went into heaven and received direct revelation from God. So if you're going to have a thorn in the flesh, you probably need to be in that category, okay? The reason that Paul was dealt with in this way is so that he didn't become too... um, exalted above measure, that's what it says in the English, I'm not sure how to, you know too proud, too overwhelmingly, too overbearing okay, so he was given a thorn in the flesh Okay, and what was that thorn in the flesh? a messenger from Satan what does a messenger do? lie? gives a message, right, yes you know, you're right it's about exactly that. It's about something in the head. It's about a lie. It's about words. It's about it might have been a person. It might have been something. It's not sickness. It doesn't say it was sickness. It says it's a messenger. Sickness is not a messenger. And there's another verse later on that talks about, you know, if you, do, if you could, you would have given your eyes for me and it uh, suggests that Paul had a sickness in his eyes and then they add one and one together and make a whole theology out of thorn in the flesh. Um, Paul probably did have a problem with his eyes. Uh, Paul had lots of problems. He was left for dead uh, at one point. And I think the amazing thing, he was left for dead and the next day he walked to the next town, (laughs) which I think is amazing. If you're left for dead, I presume you're probably pretty hurt. He could still walk to the next town the next day without intensive care and whatever else. But anyway, concerning this thing, okay, this thing, whatever it was, this messenger, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, meaning my weakness, not my sickness. Uh, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. People use this little scripture to justify the fact they're sick. God isn't going to heal them because His grace is sufficient for them and it's the thorn in their flesh. It's a misunderstanding of scripture. God is not going to give you sin as a thorn in your flesh so that you're not going to exalt yourself. So, why would He give you sickness? It's the same, it's part of the same corrupt, fallen world that Jesus died for us not to have to live in anymore. So it just—I just I just don't get it that God would give us sickness or refuse to take away sickness. Can sickness teach us a lesson? Sure, it can teach us a lesson. Um, I'd rather, I mean, would you teach your kids by giving them cancer? You think that's a good idea as a loving father? <laughs> right, he'll teach you a lesson, you know. You can have whatever... It just does not, it doesn't make sense. But in our Christian theology, we've kind of believed that God gives us sickness, He won't take sickness away. You know, we, we've, why have we thought that? Because we don't see healing. But, but what I'm trying to get over to you is because we don't see healing doesn't alter who God is. It doesn't make God some, somehow this kind of evil kind of guy who's just going to keep us in sickness. He sent His Son to die for our freedom, and that includes freedom from sickness. Have we yet seen it? No, but to be honest, we haven't yet seen complete sinless living. But that doesn't mean to say that Jesus didn't die that we become righteous, so that we are righteous, any more than he died that we are healed. But somehow when it comes to sin, we don't start blaming God for the sin, but when it comes to sickness, we start creating a theology of sickness. And it's—I just don't get it. I don't get it because I think it's—it's done. So let's have a quick look at our little list. I'm not going to move it out. We just went through some of the things that Christians say or we believe about sickness, or we've heard said in church, or whatever. Um. So sickness can happen, but we don't often see it. Well, I think that's probably—I don't like. Yeah, I mean that's—I think that's probably reasonably true. I wouldn't. I don't like the can. I'd rather say it should happen because I don't think. I don't think there's a part of healing that is excluded from us. Some experience healing all the time. If that's true, but I don't think that's because some people are just extra special. I think it's because they've discerned the Lord's body. They've chosen to live in health and and healing and wholeness. And I think the more you have faith walks with God in your sickness and the more you believe that you are the well fighting sickness rather than the sick trying to get better then it makes a big difference so if you believe you are well and whole and sickness is coming against you that is entirely different to believing you are sick and you're trying to get better okay so instant healings because we don't see instant healings, that then gives us problems and we end up de- creating a theology. That's true. And I think that's what I really would hope to have hoped to have kind of addressed some of those issues. Because, honestly, I mean, wouldn't we all love to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover? And that's what yeah. Jesus did. Yeah. So it's possible because he did it. And I know there's a few occasions where you have to pray twice and there's a few occasions where he couldn't do it very, very much, but that was because of unbelief. It wasn't because of his desire not to heal. Okay. So, um, this is what I was just saying. Don't create another theology just because we don't see people healed. Okay. We can talk about why people don't get healed. Okay. Not enough faith. What do you think about that? Test time. Exam time. <laughs> Um,
0: Thank you. All right. We have it already. Okay. Because <laughs> that, that was the main thing that I thought. I was like, oh, it, you know, it's like you look at Randy Clark's ministry. he yeah. has been a healing ministry for, since the beginning because, you know, he had his miraculous thing. And then it wasn't until 15 years into the ministry where he started to see the healing happen. Mm. And, and that's just because he wasn't of the place in his faith in his journey with his
1: faith I think yeah, we d- I did teach this um, about the whole issue of we are each given the measure of faith okay. so you have been given faith and that faith you have been given is the faith you need to receive salvation uh-huh. Ephesians 2 uh, we we re- we are saved by faith by by grace through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God that being the faith God gives us the faith we need to receive. And that faith is the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us. It's his faith, so, so, so it's it. enough. We're given it. Whether we're using it is a different issue. Yeah, yeah, and whether, yeah. whether our unbelief is overcoming it is another issue. But right, okay. it's not a faith issue. Okay? Yeah. Our faith didn't work. Well, that's a tricky one. Because, you know, you always hear, oh, we all prayed and we were all in faith and they didn't get healed. And I would have to say, it probably wasn't faith. Because it doesn't make sense that if you all have faith, I think sometimes we just have to be honest with ourselves and say, there's something not working in our faith. Because otherwise, if you believe, well, we all had faith and it didn't work, then who's, what's the problem then? If we all have faith for healing and it didn't work, then who's to blame? Well, if your faith is all working. (laughs) But we hear it, don't we? Yeah. We all had faith. I don't understand why God didn't heal because she was the woman that had the most faith in the world and she got faith and she wasn't healed. God's the one that's the problem then, isn't he? Because we had faith and he didn't heal. So I don't buy that, I don't, I don't buy having a theology that makes God to be our problem. It doesn't work for me. Um, I can say I don't understand. I can say maybe our faith is just not working as, as we think it is. Maybe our unbelief is overcoming our faith maybe there's a whole deal that we don't understand but I'm not going to go to the point of saying well we were okay God but you failed on your part okay so faith doesn't fail faith works God's timing
0: God doesn't live in time (laughs) well that's true as well Um, but it's already been done it's already been been been
1: done thank you it's already done yes um, it's tricky. It's tricky because sometimes we wait for healing. Is that cause, because we have to wait for healing? Or is it because it got better naturally and we just had to wait for that? Or what? I don't know. But I think the answer is that God's timing, it's done. His timing is yes. Just can't imagine God saying, yes, 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 I'll heal you of your you know, your terminal disease, but suffer it for six years first. Uh, No, you can get healed from your arthritis, but um, not until next year. It's like, for what? So, So what? For what? So that God can... I don't know, I don't get that. I don't think God delights in our sickness at all. I think the timing is either because we're... We are not receiving miraculous healing and our body naturally heals itself, which is great. God put natural healing in our bodies and that's awesome and amazing what our bodies can do. But I don't think it's because God is withholding for a time for a purpose. It makes make sense why he would do that. God is testing faith, so he kind of gives you or allows sickness in order to test your faith. I'm giving you a clue with my facial expression. <laughs> he knows what your faith is. He gave it you. It's the faith of the Son of God. He doesn't have to. why would he want to test it? Yeah, we have opportunities to use what he's given us, but I don't think he sits in heaven and thinks, Alright, let's give her, you know, diabetes and let's see how our faith is doing tomorrow. Yeah, it's like come on. Yes sickness gives us an opportunity to use our faith but I don't think we have a faith exam from God which uh, works out where we're going to be in heaven or you know how much we're going to suffer on earth it doesn't make sense to me. Thorn in the flesh, I don't buy that I've told you why Right, this thing, this thing about healing only being for Christians what do you think about that? It's
0: not true
1: It's not true
0: I think we sometimes just see more happen uh, in non-Christian areas than in Christian areas. <laughs> You're
1: right. You? Because a lot of non-Christians don't have the baggage that we have. They haven't developed all these extra theologies. So a lot of people on the street who just you just say, "Well, we believe God can heal. Can we pray for you? We believe you'll be healed." They're like, "Okay, I believe. Pray they heal." Yeah. Because they just don't have the baggage. <coughs> and, um and so, that that was done on the cross was for everybody. Uh, we are supposed to lay hands on the sick, and the sick recover. We're not supposed to lay hands on the Christian sick, and the Christian sick recover. So our mandate is to heal the sick, and I, I think it's easier. I think you're right. God only heals for another reason. So this is a bit like that glorifying Himself kind of thing. So if there's a reason for Him to do a miracle, so to impress somebody or to, I don't know what then god will heal i don't see that god doesn't only forgive sin for a reason he yes sometimes you know a big major miracle in a big meeting will increase faith and other people will get healed and that's great but i don't think just don't think god operates in that kind of an economy he just can't see him in heaven thinking all right i'll do a big performance on you tonight and let's you know let's impress people with who I am his heart for us to be healed is much bigger than just using us as a demonstration of his power God doesn't heal today it's
0: not true because it happens all
1: the time <laughs> it happens all the time anyway yes it's true um, you proclaim it until the till he comes I mean you proclaim the Lord's body until he comes we were to go into all the world and preach the gospel lay hands on the sick cleanse the leper cast out demons raise the dead that's our mandate that's what it is to be a disciple he didn't say do it until until such a time as somebody tells you it's stopped so not praying right didn't do enough I don't know if this is the same point how do you feel about not praying right
0: So that's the point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if you're praying with a lot of unbelief, it's maybe the not praying right part. Okay, that's a good really point. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think sometimes it's really, it's really a difficult thing to say because sometimes when you pray for somebody and you yourself feel like you're in the worst place ever, you know you've just had a terrible thing or argument or you're unhappy with somebody or whatever and somebody asks you to pray and you think oh God I mean I've done that before I've prayed for people and they're the ones that get healed or you didn't really seem to have any faith and they just come to you and they get healed and there's some others that you really feel like you're on top of the world and you're the woman of God for the moment and bang you know and it doesn't work so I think
0: so come to you when you're in a really bad. Mood.
1: Yeah, come and come and get me uh-huh. in a bad mood, okay. and yeah, perfect. <laughs> so I think not praying right is not true. Certainly not from point of view of formulas. So I've not I've not worked out. You know, some people say it's easier for doctors to pray because they know what the problem is. Well, I think God knows what the problem is better than any doctor on earth. I think some people feel like they've got to go to the doctor to find out what's wrong in order to tell God what it is that He needs to heal. <laughs> God is. More than able to work out what is wrong in your body, and that's not making any comment about going to the doctor or not. I'm just saying God is actually on it and He knows what is going on. But I think the issue of unbelief is true, and I think sometimes you just have to settle that battle in the mind. And when you're saying, you know, you just have to counter it. So, you know, you're praying for somebody who's in a wheelchair and you're thinking, Oh, I've never seen anybody, you don't keep going with those thoughts of I've never seen anyone get up and you know they're never going to get out of this wheelchair and we've prayed for them for 300 times and whatever if you're praying with that God can still heal and God does still heal but I think it's much easier for you if you just say shut up he's the healer that's the end of that or whatever you want to say to yourself but uh, you know whatever Um, didn't do enough I don't know whether that's can't remember what we meant we didn't do enough or the person didn't do enough so all of those hoops that we have to get through we talked about that when we talked about faith didn't fast enough didn't pray enough didn't worship enough didn't read the Bible enough didn't whatever none of those people that Jesus healed on the, in Jerusalem wherever he was had done enough so it didn't exclude them from their healing um, self-inflicted sickness that's really interesting
0: Well, yeah, like um, like nutrition. People and, don't like, get
1: healed because they have brought it on themselves.
0: Like diabetes, it's, it's, most of it is to do with what you eat, right?
1: Or well, a certain type of diabetes. Yeah, yeah,
0: a certain type, and then like you, you look at inflammation and cancer, which is inflammation. It can be caused by like you know sugar and bad diet, and then,
1: but then can you get healed from
0: that? Of course, you can. But you can also prevent by, you know, yeah. by putting the body of Christ into you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think it's a bit of a mixture of things here. The answer is self-inflicted sickness. Of course you can. God does not stand there and say, ha, Sorry, you smoke 60 a day for your, you know, your whole life. But I do think there's two issues here. One is, it is much harder for you as an individual to receive healing if you have a self-inflicted sickness. So if you have smoked 60 cigarettes a day, I think it's really hard to receive healing for your lung cancer. Because your own guilty conscience and your own uh, regret and your own self-loathing your own ability to not have overcome your own addiction, I think, really makes it difficult for you to receive healing. Can you? Yes. Does God want you healed? Yes. Can someone else's faith heal you? Yes. But I just think there are certain things that we do in life that do not help our bodies. And living, saying, oh, well, God's a healer, puff, 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 puff. puff. (laughs) It's not really going to come out well, I wouldn't have thought. You can Because if you can maintain your absolute, perfect faith in God as a healer and still smoke six a day, it's not a problem to God. It's no problem to God, he's not disqualified you. But as a human being, I think we struggle a bit more. And to be honest, if you're gonna have faith for healing of your lung cancer, why not have faith that you can get out of your addiction long before that and save yourself the money? You know, it's no more faith to believe for healing of lung cancer than it is to believe for freedom from an addiction to tobacco so you know if you're in faith for healing then get healed now and save yourself the addiction and all that comes from that Um, but if you don't get out of your addiction and you do get a sickness then God doesn't exclude you from healing because of that but I just think we exclude ourselves from healing sometimes and um, and yes there's the whole issue of do we live right I think it's a mixture. You know, I think if you're in prison for 40 years in China and they only give you bread and water, you can be completely fit and healthy in God by faith. But for us who have a choice, so I don't think, I don't think, I think there is a supernatural way, place of living where it's not dependent on the natural. It's not dependent on did I eat enough, you know, superfoods or whatever. But for us who have the luxury of a choice in this country, what do you choose? Do you choose junk or do you choose something that you know is gonna be beneficial? And I think, well, why not choose the benefit, you know? But I think, you know, there's more than half the world who has no choice about what they eat and has no yeah. choice about whether they've got polluted, whatever. I don't think they're excluded from living in health because I think, you know, the Bible says, give thanks for what you eat, purify it by prayer, by giving thanks, and eat it in faith. And I think there is an element where I, I personally, don't personally go too far down the line of you've got to eat this and this and this. I My personal approach is, yeah, I've got the choice in this country, but if I go and live in, you know, out of Mongolia and can only eat potatoes all winter, or whatever, still be healthy on that I'm not I'm not going to lose anything from that because I give thanks for that and it's nutritious to my body but that would be my faith my faith stats you know that's that's what I think um but yeah if you've got the option to eat vitamins you know eat oranges and whatever God's given us that wisdom sailors died all the time from not eating vitamin C and thank God for the wisdom to know that eating vitamin C is Good, no. and all the other vitamins. Sin. <laughs> Why we put sin at the bottom? Why did we put sin
0: at the bottom? Why? The big.
1: If you're sinning, can you get healed? Timon. Yes. yes. All right. I think it's the same issue. It's the same issue of our our own unbelief if you're living in perpetual sin your unbelief is probably going to hinder your faith it's not that God isn't going to heal you it's not that someone else's faith can't heal you it's not that you can't just receive healing some people have faith for one thing and not for another thing it's amazing some people have no faith whatsoever that they can get set free from you know some addiction and yet live in complete divine healing for everything it's it's weird how we are because I think it's to do with our background and our expectation and our, our so yes because God doesn't see us as sinful so that's why all this stuff about you know while you're sick you better find the sin and you're not getting healed so it must still be sin and you better repent and repent again and forgive again and do this again and all the rest of it again in order to get healed it's tiresome and it doesn't work as I said last time nothing wrong with asking God is there something causing this sickness and if it is unforgiveness or bitterness or whatever you know some uh, something that isn't whole in you your addiction is because you're not whole and that addiction is causing problems in your health then sure ask god and deal with that behavior or that lie behind that behavior that would be real real wisdom but that doesn't mean god is not going to heal you of it problem is with healing in those situations is you know if you, if you keep hammering your thumb with the hammer and you go and get healed and carry on knocking it with the hammer I mean it's, it's you know, if you don't change the behaviour that's causing the sickness no matter how many times you get healed you're still going to be at risk of that sickness so generational sin we talked about a lot last time um, working out bible only refers to spiritual healing I don't think that's true Jesus physically healed the sick and then they said this is what Isaiah was talking about and um, our bodily healing is part of living back in the jubilee of being restored back to us what was ours so any questions? comments? disagreements?
0: so basically we just need to like all of our beliefs and then just literally believe in the finished work of the course exactly. life is perfect. <laughs> well yeah, Yes. basically yeah
1: Yes. It
0: is it, is, well, it best, is it's the best belief that I've ever come across in so life. Yeah. It is, <laughs> yeah. hands down. Yeah. Um Yeah. So I'm just gonna keep focusing on that.
1: That's what I think is the answer. And
0: then, like, anything else that comes up, I'm just going to, like... But it's, like, subconscious beliefs. And I've, you know, I've done a lot of, like, coaching stuff, and courses yeah. and learn how to clear all of these subconscious beliefs. Yeah. You know, even conscious beliefs as well. Um, so that you're, you're more of an open channel, so that you can then go, okay, I'm going to choose beliefs. That, yeah. Um, and
1: I think that's the good fight of faith. It's choosing what you're going to believe. And we will all have days where there is an assault on our belief system. Now, whether that's because you believe it's the devil or a demon, or whether it's your hormones or your experiences or your whatever it is that you think is causing it, but there are days for all of us when it's just this mind, for whatever reason, is, you know, not just focusing on the finished work of the cross it's focusing on whatever an offense or a you know problem or a worry or an anxiety or an experience or a past experience or a lie or a learned behavior and and you know it just throws us off the truth yeah and that's why the battle for for our faith is to just stand which is why, you know, Ephesians talks about stand. This is the, the, you know, we talk about the armor of God, and it's all about standing. Stand, therefore stand, stand, stand firm, stand in the hope. Yeah. And, um, but it's this mind that will, sometimes.
0: Yeah. I was I was kind of journaling a few days ago about, I don't know, I just felt like um, it was so important to be strong and, and, strong-willed, and like, you know, like this warrior from God, and like, courageous, and and like, having such strength within this belief about the finished work, I just, I felt like that, that is really important, you know, um, because once you've got that, you know, that strength around it, and that kind of, you know, I've always thought being so vulnerable is, is such a good quality, I guess... Vulnerability can be strength, but like being like such, like you know, like Joshua in the Bible, Mm -hmm. just like this warrior for God, just like doing everything that God told him to do, even though half the time he was killing people. um, It's like, it's you know, having that kind of commitment and faith in God, Mm -hmm. um, and like the finished work of the cross. I just feel like I need to be more like.
1: I think I think what you what what you need to understand is is term meek, okay? You know, meek. it talks about Jesus being meek.
0: Yeah.
1: And well, it's, it's, it's meekness, like fire well. yeah, meekness is about power uh-huh. and strength, but choosing how to use it. Right. So there is something about vulnerability. Jesus didn't have to hang on the cross, you know he had all the power to get off the cross yeah. but he chose not to so I think, I think there is, there is there's a bit of both isn't there there's that, there's that I'm going to stand strong and firm and you know but I think it's not about that aggressive I'm going to do it, I've got to do it, I must do it I must keep, it's yeah, that, yeah. I think you're right it's about that strength of saying I'm not going to move I'm really just not going to move from this place and I'm going to stick at it but that doesn't have to look like raging war all the time. <laughs> Sometimes it can look like weakness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think, but it just, it's an inner place of, yeah. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not gonna shift from this. Wow. No. And, um, and
0: like, even on those days, you know, I was, I was just thinking about the days when you were know, really struggling. Mm. I like how, you know, in Ephesians with the armor and stuff, mm. It's like, I think there is a place for that. Obviously, yep. there's a place for the, you know, the cross. Yeah. It? Yeah, absolutely. But I think there really is a place for using this armour yep. against that and having a belief yep. in it is yep. this kind of, you know, I am protected, I am strong. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: sometimes I, I, I literally talk to myself. I literally oh, okay. shout at myself or shout at the... Th- you know, literally speak out loud because sometimes... Speaking causes you to hear it in a way that you don't if you don't hear it, and I think I think there is an aggression that is necessary. Mm. Um, but that doesn't. What I'm trying to say is that doesn't mean about not being vulnerable is the wrong word. Not being meek.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. Right. Anything. Um, um, ne- maybe next time we might talk about whatever you want to talk about or I um, don't know why people don't get here
0: <laughs> thank you like for that. listening to the iDestiny podcast for further information check out